Hello, and welcome to the Augmented Management Podcast. I'm joined today by Martin Cloak, CEO of Raven AI, and we're going to talk about employee engagement in manufacturing. Martin, introduce yourself. Tell us about Raven. Hi, I'm Martin, uh, CEO of uh, Raven AI. Uh, so we help global manufacturers uh, with their continuous improvement. Uh, and we do that by helping them collect data, clean it, and then drive action on the shop floor. You know, with Raven, our clients are able to deliver on time, reduce unwanted downtime, increase profitability. Okay. So Martin, employee engagement, such an important topic for this industry. How does technology help with engagement? Um, one of the things with technology is that you can create connections between metrics that are meaningful to individuals with metrics that are meaningful to the, to the business. So, you know, this is easy with technology. It's not so easy when you don't have technology. When you don't have technology, the easiest thing to do is to have one metric, profitability. And everybody looks at that one metric, but that's not, that's not a fair metric and that, that's demotivating. Um, you know, with regards to, um, you know, using technology to, to recognize um, performance, often, um, you know, technology is used to highlight poor performers in kind of a, a, a you know, in a sort of a broader way. But, but often, you know, the, often the keys to driving huge improvements are by looking for and identifying, you know, abnormally good performers. Um, you know, when you look at both, you know, uh, negative uh, anomalies and positive anomalies, sometimes you find people who've just found a trick to do something really, really well. Um, this is a really neat story from one of our, uh, you know, uh, one of our manufacturing clients where, um, for whatever reason, this one guy was doing setups in half the time. So this is a process to set up a big industrial machine and, uh, he was way, way better at it. And, uh, so when they went to go see, um, what he was doing, um, they saw something super scary. So, so this guy had taken this giant, um, you know, uh, I guess spool and had tipped it over on its side to be able to do two steps at the same time. So super dangerous, um, but kind of ingenious. So, you know, what the, the response of the leadership of the plant was to, you know, take the good parts of it and build him a jig that allowed him to tip over this big spool so that he could do this neat, neat process um, in a safe way. And this is something that they actually rolled out to the other, other cells, other, other, uh, other lines. And this is just the perfect example of, you know, stuff that pops out in the data when you look at it in the right way. You know, whereas if you just look at the, the summary, you know, in general, you know, they weren't doing that well at setups. This one guy was doing really well. And, and that's, that's a really exciting moment. So, um, you know, I, it, it's, it's neat. Yeah, it's neat to look at instances where, you know, you're finding good news in the data because so much of what we do is looking for bad news in the data. How would a supervisor know that there's maybe a problem with their data, that it's not clean, it's not accurate? So a, a supervisor might know that there's problems in their data um, based on how, how their team responds to when they show those, show their uh, KPI dashboards. And, and really, you know, usually data quality is not a surprise. You know, I, you know I, I've, uh, when, I, when I worked in, in manufacturing, it was pretty clear when, you know, the standards were on or off. And at some points, you know, operators know right away if, if things aren't, aren't aligned. You know, there's, there's a lot of knowledge on the shop floor here. So, so you know, if, if the KPI is basically becomes an inside joke on the shop floor, you know, you know, something's off. Um, 
and, and I would say for the most part, for those of us who've spent time in manufacturing, we just take for granted that the data is maybe directionally okay, but in detail, it's wrong. Um, and if, if, you know, on occasion, everybody gets to the point where they get so frustrated with data that they say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take uh, I get my Excel file and I'm going to, you know, book off a Sunday evening to dig into it. And you find a whole bunch of mess and then you, and then maybe you tell somebody, but at some point there never is that time to go through everything. So I think this, you know, it's pretty universal that a lot of the data in manufacturing is, is just wrong. Uh, and I think, you know, what manufacturers rely on is that they hope that it's directionally correct so that they're more or less working on the right thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would say that the, uh, you know, the way, the way to know is, is, is on, is based on how, you know, you're, if you're in a supervisory role, you know, how your employees respond to the metrics, you know, even how they're presented at, at management meetings. Um, I, I've often seen plants where there's a different set of books for operational metrics and for financial metrics. So at some point, you know, there's this, uh, this secondary data set on the shop floor that they're using to figure out how things are going. That's not even the one that's communicated up to management. So, um, you know, effectively, there's these two two messy data sets, and usually the plant manager is the one who's responsible for, you know, stitching to the stitching them together. You know, in an ideal world, but in, in many cases, they just have to manage these two different data sets that don't even connect. We hear a lot about this concept of robot bosses that, you know, technology is going to be an overseer in a negative way. So, how do we combat that fear? that technology on the shop floor is going to be a negative force? So I would say that the concern that uh, digital tech um, are effectively are like a big brother, you know, applying undue pressure on uh, people on the shop floor is completely founded um, and completely warranted. And if people are afraid of this tech coming in to do, to, uh, to do that, um, in many cases, it, it is. And, you know, digital tech is just a way to, to crank the pressure even more um, to, to get people to produce, you know, what's what's required here. And, that, and this, this is not the way to get value out of, out of you know, tech that's available. Um, this is just, but, but it's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's an approach that, that many are taking. And I, I think the idea that technology allows uh, pressure to be applied to improve performance is, is warranted. Now, the problem is that pressure is being applied in the wrong direction. So uh, somebody working at a process, an operator, um, if everything's working well at their, at their station, they do not need technology. They need technology to stay out of the way. Now, when they do need technology is, the, is when something's going wrong. And the, the best application of technology on the shop floor is to give them the ability to apply intense pressure on support and leadership of the organization to, do, to work on the right things to make their job easier. So... Um, in some cases, you know, like the most progressive manufacturers are ones that, um, you know, don't even present, you know, these classic KPIs and performance metrics on the shop floor. They exclusively put in, you know, uh, the ability for the operators to just raise that flag and apply that pressure. And uh, in some ways, the, the, the technology is there to uh, give them a tool to, to tell the story of their day. And uh, it's, it's, always, it's always neat to see... Um, you know, the first time, you know, operators and managers uh, see the data and see what's happening, you know, really happening for the first time, because you know you got it right when the operators have this big smile on their face and they're nodding their heads going like, I told you so. You know, I told you this is what was happening. And they go like, yep, we got to work on that. He said, yep. 
And I, th- I think that that's the moment where, you know, the uh, it's almost like the the hierarchy gets flipped upside down, and and everybody in the organization, you know, it, uh, should be supporting those who are standing in front of the machines. Where at, you know at the highest level, if you're not standing in front of a machine actually producing product, you should be doing something to make it easier for them to do that. Interesting. Okay. So the next challenge then would be, you know, a manager has been dealing with either poor data in the past or no data at all. So how would a manager go about getting their team on board with using data for accountability? Well, you know, as it is with everything, it has to start with with trust. And I think before um, you even do anything to to fix things, you need to make sure that you're looking at the same thing. So I, I would say that the first thing that you know a uh, anybody on the support side, whether it be a manager, an engineer, a supervisor, needs to do is is to listen to their operators. And if if we're getting you know initial data that describes what's happening, you know see if they agree with what with what you're seeing. And often what what will happen is they say, you know what, this isn't exactly what's happening here. You know what I, you know when when I when when the system says this, this is what's actually happening. And they say, perfect. You know, like if if the tool is not the uh, effectively helping you to tell the story of your day, fix the tool. And then once you are all agree that you now see kind of how when things are going well and when things are not going well, uh, the next step is to demonstrate that you're going to do something about it. Uh, you know, say, say for example, um, you know, uh, and we've seen this for several of our clients, you know, one of the biggest issues is just waiting. You know, say the operator is spending an hour a day waiting for their supervisor to come by and sign off on a sheet or, you know, they're waiting for material to come from the warehouse. Um, so say, say, for example, that the thing that they see is waiting, you know, a report that describes a problem has, you know, provides no value. Um, and the operator knows that they, you know, you get value when somebody actually does something differently. And, you know, in this case here, how do you reduce waiting time? Well, maybe you bring in the operator and the, uh, the maintenance tech and, and you can work together. To, like, what is the way to reduce this amount of time? So now that if, you know, and start simply. And at some points, there's, there's no shame in picking the easiest thing to work on to, to improve. You know, it's always, it's motivating to knock off level one before you go to level 30. You know, so level one is reduce waiting time from maintenance. Um, and, and then the way to do this is, you know, come up with a, with an approach to, to resolving this and then look specifically at that. You know, I, I think a lot of us feel like we have a duty to, to present all the numbers all the time. Like you got to show everything where, where in reality, just like, why distract if, you know, in, in some ways as, uh, you know, technology is, is, is extremely able to, to consume, like to take in a whole bunch of data and present a whole bunch of, bunch of data. And it's amazing how much things are advancing. Uh, our brains are pretty much the same as they've been for a long time. And we are not able to take in that much information. So if we've decided that we want to work to improve waiting time, then, you know, maybe tell me something basic about my day, but then let's focus on that for a month, two months, three months. And then it's pretty neat what happens once you actually start to show traction. You know, if, if we've decided to work on this thing and we see that that this bad thing is going down, it's motivating. And it doesn't mean that we're working any faster. Usually it just means that we're, we're finding ways to work smarter. So, you know, at some point on the shop floor, you know, operators have heard a ton of talk and, and they know that talk is cheap and, and you know, engineers come and go. Uh, at some point, you know, the way to, to truly capture their attention and get them engaged is to demonstrate that talk turns into action very quickly. 
And the easiest way to do that is by keeping things simple. So then Martin, the next question would be, what do we get wrong in managing performance in manufacturing? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, we often get wrong uh, in manufacturing plants is, is how we present performance information. And I think we don't, um, when I say how, I don't think we take into consideration how, how presenting performance makes people feel. And, and, you know, the fact that we often do one size fits all where everybody sees everything all the time um, is demotivating for, you know, those who are in the middle uh, of the pack. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, especially with technology today, there's a lot more flexibility to create more of a personalized um, performance management system that provides feedback in the way that people, that works best for each individual. And I think outside of manufacturing, you know, you can even think in a tech company, there's no way that you would be presenting people's performance reviews in public. And, and what, what we're doing, in fact, on the shop floor is exactly that. Not only is it in public, it's up for everyone to see. You can see, you know, like if you and I were working on the shop floor, our names would be on a board and, and what we achieved for that week would be on that board. And, and the plant manager, when they're bringing by a stranger, they say, oh, this is what Jordan did this week, or this is what Martin did this week. And, and uh, you know, that, that is, that is uh, um, you know, maybe motivating for the top ones, but it's a pretty quick way to, to lose credibility with your teams. And, and, you know, the difference between an engaged team and a disengaged team is, is massive. And, and no amount of technology is going to take a disengaged team uh, and get them to perform as well as an engaged team without technology. Right. Okay. So how can managers be better at engagement on all levels, not just around technology? You know, one of, one of the things that, that supervisors can, can do that is, you know, has nothing to do with technology that can help create engagement uh, is not even a skill. It's simply spending more time on the shop floor. And I, I think, you know, when it comes to being a leader, um, it, it's, a, it's a learned trait. Um, it's a learned skill, um, but everybody needs to find their own style. And as it is with most, most things, the way to find your style is, is with time. And, you know, one of the, one of the ways that supervisors and managers and leaders can get better is to spend more time on the shop floor, more time engaging. And, uh, you know, one of the ways to achieve this is to find ways to get them away from doing things that don't involve them being on the shop floor. And, uh, you know, as, as, you know, for the last few decades, we've been, it's been hammered into our heads that, you know, data has value, data has value. So then you, you often have these leaders spending so much time with Excel, creating reports, you know, uh, you know, and, and it's amazing how that's pulled us, pulled leaders away from the shop floor. So if you were to think about, you know, how effective a leader was 30, 40 years ago on the shop floor versus today, you know, just by nature of the fact that they they were spending more time on the shop floor, I would say that there was probably a stronger connection to the, to their teams than there is today. So, you know, the the soft skill is you know is it's absolutely you know leadership, and and the way to get there is to find ways to you know allow for people to spend more time doing what we do best, which is to engage with one one another, communicate, solve problems, and uh, you know spend spend less time doing what we're not particularly good at, which is collecting, interpreting, cleaning cleaning data and uh, playing with Excel, even though, even though I'm a big fan of Excel, but uh, I'm working on it. Wow. Okay. So thanks, Martin. Really great information, great expertise. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. Uh, if people want to learn more about Raven AI, 
where can they go? This is where I say, like, click on the button here, click on follow. <laughs> so if you want to know more about Raven, uh, check us out at raven.ai or check out our, our company page on LinkedIn or connect request me on LinkedIn and I'll accept for sure. Stay tuned, everyone. Thanks for listening and make sure that you subscribe so you catch all episodes of the Augmented Management Podcast as they go live. We'll talk to you soon. In the meantime, make good things. Thank you.